This is the Intuitive Leadership Mastery Podcast. What would it take for you to double your profits and half your stress with your intuition? Learn how with your host, Michael Light. Hi, welcome back to the show. And I'm here today with Carrie Roden, and she is an amazing body, mind, business mentor. And she just helps heart-centered entrepreneurs get totally aligned with their business and improve their leadership. So everything just flows easy. And we have a lot of exciting topics here. We're going to be talking about how you can build a culture in your company using your intuition and how you can customize your leadership style depending on who is in the team that you're leading. Uh, which I think is an important thing that people often miss. And then something that I think is key with intuition is noticing team problems ahead of time so you can fix them before they turn into disasters. Because I think everyone listening to this has probably had a team disaster or two under their belt. And wouldn't it be nice if you could tell they were coming and head them off ahead of time? And then we're also going to look at how you can inspire team members to lead themselves so you can be a steward of your team and give others permission to lead and empower them. And also, we'll talk about how Carrie learned maybe a painful lesson that the rules corporate right way doesn't always work for team leadership, and how she learned to be a successful renegade leader. And then we're going to talk about how you can come into alignment as a leader on a cellular level with your business, and why that is important for having a successful business and why aligning with your higher power makes more profits and more joy in your business, and how you can lean into leadership, even if you're not born a leader. You know, some of us were born leaders in school and were the class president, and some of us decided later in life we have a wonderful business, and now, oops, we have to lead. So, welcome, Carrie. Well, thank you so much, Michael. I'm so happy to be here. So, you mentioned that Building a culture, you can use your intuition to help you build a culture. I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny how, how you figure things out. But um, I did that and have continued to do that in my life. But the, my first really experience with that was I, I had been a high school and college athlete. I graduated college and thought, okay, what am I going to do now? And recognized you know, I'd always been team captain and things like that, but really I kind of didn't know what I wanted to do career-wise. And so I went into coaching. So I became a high school and um, high school and then later college cross country and track coach. And um, it was with my athletes that I really leaned on my intuition to kind of figure, (laughs) find a way to build a culture. And of course I didn't know at the time, I didn't set out going, I'm going to create a culture. I just was trying to figure out what is it going to take to make this team successful. And having been a part of highly successful teams in the past, right, Any anybody who's been on a really successful team and also maybe been on teams that were mediocre knows that there's like that intangible difference. There's that, you know, that, that it factor. There's that thing that exists on a highly successful team that maybe doesn't exist on a team that has more talent or, you know, looks better on paper, right? There's something um, unique and intangible. And I was looking for how to create that. And what I recognized, right, is that bond, that um, like willingness to go above and beyond and that, that, that specialness 
of highly successful teams is really nothing more than or is the result of nothing more than um, the culture that you create, right? And so I went about looking at, okay, how do I create a culture of excellence and how do I create a culture of personal responsibility and team responsibility and how do, you know, I was just asking myself questions. Um, didn't really even know at the time that I was asking my higher self questions, right? I would journal or I would, I didn't know I was using these intuitive tools. I was just asking myself questions and kind of feeling my way through. Um, But what I found is the trick, right? The trick for me was that I needed to, I wanted to create a culture where, um, of excellence, right? I wanted to create a culture where um, people weren't just trying to be the fastest runner that they could be, but they were really trying to use running to become the highest version of themselves. And when I started doing that, right, I started, you know, teaching personal development or asking uh, questions or even delegating some of the leadership responsibilities to the 14, 15, 16, you know, um, year old members of my team, that is when um, the real magic happened. So I don't, I don't know if I've answered that question directly, but um, it really was just sort of a, when you're creating a culture, it's about asking the question, what does this group need? Getting quiet and listening for the answer. And as I did that, right, I got different answers on different days of the week. <laughs> um, but at the core of all of it was me recognizing, and maybe that's a, the deeper question, is what what's my role here with these people, right? Because as, as a coach, as a running coach, I could, you know, I could give them workouts and get them running fast. But, you know, even at, when I started doing this, I was 21, 22 years old. I recognized I had a responsibility to these people and of the hundreds of kids who I was dealing with, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't really my job to create Olympians. So what is my job really? And as I got quiet and, and let the answer to that come, I recognized it's, it's to build up these humans and to help them create the experience they want here during their time with me. So that sounds like an amazing experience of using your intuition to build a culture and a team by asking questions and then getting quiet and listening for what your higher self, your intuition wanted to say to you. And your your initial experience was in as an athletic coach, but it sounds to me everything you did there would work just as well in a business setting with a team that you wanted to work excellently and to work well together. Uh, and be successful, and for each of the people to grow as they're part of the team. Well, yeah, you know that. Of course, that's what happened. So initially, I figured it out with with high school athletes, and then I started coaching college athletes and realized, hey, same principles apply. Then I actually became a stay at home mom and was involved with a preschool and was on the board and recognized, oh, here it is, the same principles. <laughs> like it doesn't really matter if I'm if we're dealing with, um, you know, doesn't matter what the age or the relationship of the people that you're gathered around. So it took me a while to like actually realize it when it came to the quote unquote real business world. (laughs) Um, but yeah, that's, 
it turns out people are people, humans are humans. Everybody has a need um, to feel seen, to feel heard, and to feel valued. And when you lead with your intuition, you, I mean, I would say nine times out of 10, probably 100% of the time, but for sure, nine times out of 10, your intuition is going to give you responses that are going to help the people who you surround yourself with feel seen, heard, and valued. Your intuition, my intuition at least, (laughs) has never steered me in the direction of, you know, let's ridicule them or let's make somebody a scapegoat or (laughs) it it doesn't work that way. Um, You know, I went to a, um, a training a long, long time ago and I heard John Maxwell speak and he said something that really stuck with me and he said, there's, there's two kinds of people in the world. There are lifters and there are leaners. And you can tell who they are by the way you feel when you see their phone number on your caller ID. And a lifter, right, you, you know, as I say that, right, you recognize the lifters and leaners in your life. The lifters are the ones that when you see their, their name on the caller ID, it lifts you up, right? It makes you feel excited to talk to them. You know they're going to uplift and inspire you. And I recognize that's who I always wanted to be. I always wanted to be the lifter because the leaners, right, those are the ones that, like, you know, they walk into the room and they they bring the energy down or you ask them how they're doing and they say, oh, I'm all right, but, and then they, you know, launch into their story. And, you know, so often, especially in the corporate world, world or um, as bosses even, we become leaners because we're complaining about the way things are or we're scapegoating other people or right we we're not the kind of person who when you walk into the room or somebody sees you on the caller ID they're excited to pick up and when I made that shift for myself in terms of always being that to the people who I surround myself with and especially to the people whom I'm entrusted to lead that's when the good stuff happens and that's when the culture like if you just decide to be a lifter, to be an encourager, to be an uplifter, um, and to, to help other people shine, so much about being a good leader is helping other people shine, right? It's not always keeping the spotlight on yourself, but highlighting the people around you. Um, so that's what I realized in, in leading humans. If you can always be a lifter, if you can help, if you can help people to succeed, right, find their find their gifts and talents, find their strengths and help them live in that, um, then you're creating a culture of success always. That is a wonderful way to be a leader by being a lifter. I I think that really helps people be inspired and it creates loyalty and trust in your team. And it helps people do things as the team they wouldn't even think were possible, um, which in business is often a handy thing to have available. So, and it's joyful for everyone, you know? So you mentioned, mentioned earlier, you customize your leadership style depending on the team. Is that, you know, do you check in with your intuition on that or how do you do that? So when it's tricky, right? Because my, I consider my leadership style, it's not so customizable in terms of, Hey, I'm always going to be, I encourage, uplift, inspire. That's my leadership style. But the how of that, right, what techniques, um, that's going to vary based on who I'm surrounded with. So a big part of being a good leader to your team is recognizing who do we have here in this moment. So I think a mistake that so many leaders make is they, like, want to dictate the culture. 
And, you know, the in business, right, we may have um, stated values or a manifesto or, or um, a mission statement, right? It sort of says, this is who we are. This is what we believe. And that, if I can translate it back to my coaching athlete days, right, that would be, this is our program, right? This is, you know, I coached at Edison High School. So we are Edison High School. We are the Chargers. This is what we stand for, right? Those are like your basic values and and your shared vision, right? We're going to be the, for me, right? It was sort of a non-negotiable that we're going to be good sports, that we, um, of course, we love to win, but if we win with class and we lose with class, right? There's some... Um, values that aren't going to change. But within each particular team dynamic, people, (laughs) people are a variable. And I think what many leaders overlook is the human capital that they have right in front of them. And the, you know, the changing culture, the culture of the, the, the dynamic changes as, as the humans around you change. So one of the things that I did that worked so well, and it works great if you have a, like a, a non-virtual working environment, but you can do it virtually as well. Sorry, my phone is ringing out if you can hear that, um, is I had something that I called the, um, trash talk, and I had another thing that was called affirmations, and they were physical containers. So I had a, a little trash can called trash talk. And I had a little jar called Affirmations. And it was something that we did where if you had, especially when I was dealing with teenage drama, but you know what? It's no different with, with big kids. It's no different with adults. Drama exists. It was an opportunity for people to write their grievances and put them in this trash container where they knew that they would be looked at. And on the same boat, right, if you were going to write a grievance, you also needed to write, you know, a kudos or an accolade or a compliment, something to, it didn't have to be to the same person that the grievance is about, but something positive that was coming. And then I, as the leader, on a weekly basis, would go through those so that I had my finger on the pulse of what was going on. Now, it's completely anonymous, right? But it helped me to find out, right, if there's trash talk coming in, that there's a problem. <laughs> it helps me, like, say, okay, look at this. This is a problem. And often maybe it was about me, right? Maybe people didn't like the way I was doing. So it gave me the opportunity to look at myself or to address, you know, a, a dynamic that might be coming up. And it also, and this is the really important part, is those kudos and accolades and affirmations, those gave me a, a chance to address the unsung heroes right, to highlight, to affirm the, the people who, you know, may have gone unnoticed if somebody else hadn't, may have gone unnoticed by me, the quote-unquote leader, if somebody else hadn't um, given that, given me that feedback. And then the other thing that um, I've done, which is so, so, so helpful, is empower the people in your community to, in your team, to teach to so um I started this with athletes but I um I started a, a Friday inspiration so we had races on Saturday I started a Friday inspiration and you got to volunteer for it and then then if you hadn't if the season was going on and you still hadn't volunteered I might ask you to do it but it was where you share something that helps inspire encourage and or uplift you before a race and it's so easy to translate that 
um, over into the business world as well. As long as you have, you know, as long as you have a clear direction where you're going, you can give the, you can empower the members of your team to encourage, uplift, and inspire each other. You can hand the microphone to them, so to speak, to get, uh, to empower them to share their gifts that maybe you didn't know they had, but more importantly, mm. uh, that complement your own because you just can't be everything to everyone on your team. Mm. Well, I think that's a great way to keep people uh, enthused about the team and also to learn what's going on under the surface so you can head things off. Um, I mean, I, I do a, a, a similar thing intuitively by feeling in yeah, intuitively, I visualize all the team members in chairs in a circle, and then I see what I notice about them. And I often get valuable information intuitively that someone's not paying attention, or they're distracted, or or they're feeling depressed, or, or whatever's going on. So, I think that's a great uh, thing to do that you you're doing there. Um, now. You mentioned teaching as one of the ways of giving people permission, people permission to lead. Were, were there any other things you did that, that empowered people to lead themselves? Yes. Well, so one of the, I told you, one of the things that I wound up doing right is, um, and I still do, I do this even with the, you know, the women entrepreneurs who take my program. I set it up like from the very beginning of, here are my carryisms, right? These are my sayings. And ultimately, all my, all my carryisms come down to personal accountability and um, leading yourself, right? Becoming the best version of yourself possible. So uh, like one of my carryisms I say all the time is behave like the person you hope to become, right? So um, one thing that I have done, right, is just to bring those things back around, right, to keep your core values and bring them back around. Um, but, and Michael, I, for, I think I got carried away in answering the question and forgot the original one. So could you ask me again so I don't go on a tangent? <laughs> oh, no, no worries. So it's how else you empower people to lead. Oh, yes. So um, one thing that you can do and this is so fun, and this is actually to empower them to lead intuitively, is when you get a new group of people together. So um, now that I run, you know, online programs, like within the first, this works really well in mastermind situations. Um, the first, maybe the first meeting, you're laying the ground rules, depending on how much, you ta- how much time you have, but the first or second meeting, you empower the people in the group to... Um, intuitively affirm each other. So this is a group of people that generally doesn't know each other super well, or maybe they know each other kind of on a, um, you know, they've met in other groups, but they don't really, really know each other. And if you have people in your group who do know each other really well, you can require them to affirm someone who they don't know really well. But I did this as an experiment a couple of years ago, and it worked so well that now I, I do it every time I have a new group. And it's, you just tell them, all right, you, everybody in the group needs to send an affirmation to, I think I've done it both ways. I've done it where we do it live, just give a quick affirmation to somebody in the group, which, you know, could be, hey, Michael, I'm just, how I'm feeling about you today. I, you're just radiating love and warmth and, and glowing in kindness. And you can also, 
thing. Uh, my friend actually did this. I'm going to, I'm going to incorporate it is you can give them an intuitive gift, right? So you can say, you can give them the opportunity to say, you know, there's, there's no price limit. There's no, if you could give this person anything in the world, what would you give them? So I could say, you know, Michael, I'm giving you this, this magical necklace. And as I'm putting it on you, you are now empowered with um, a magical healing touch, right? And it's just, it's an opportunity for, and everybody you touch now when you, when you're walking through a crowd and you put your hand on someone's back or you bump into someone, they're uh, immediately feel peace and relief and healing. Now, I don't know you well, Michael. I don't know if that's a gift that you currently already possess or one that you would like to have, right? But it's, it's me sort of tapping into my intuition, giving you an affirmation and also a gift like a, you know, and and people have given somebody didn't know me in, in a group and they gave me, they said, Carrie, I think you're great. And, um, I want to give you your, I, your own show. You have your own TV show. You're like Oprah. Like this woman had no idea that that was something that I actually do. And that was a huge dream of mine. And so her just intuitively affirming me, um, helped affirm both her in right, helped her lead, helped her trust her intuitive ability. And it also made my day and um, encouraged, uplift and inspired me and made that, that dream I had even more real. So what I'm getting at is you, if you have a group of people, it's such a great thing to do is to tell them, I know you don't know each other very well, but I want you to send them an affirmation. It can be a card. It can be a gift. It can, you can make them a video. You can, you know, and I would give them a whole week until we meet again to do that. But that has so quickly bonded the team when they come back and they talk about what they got and people are so touched and so moved. And um, it's such a powerful activity and that creates a culture so quickly, right? When we just start affirming each other and then, are able to talk about what that affirmation meant to us. Uh, it's really a powerful activity. I love that. And I love the gift you gave me. And I do have that power already. And I'm happy to receive a necklace that gives me again. So, right, good. <laughs> so I, I'm kind of guessing that when you first went into the corporate world and were trying to follow the corporate rules and the right way to do things in, in the corporation, that that way didn't really work for doing this kind of team leadership. Uh, tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, so I actually didn't, I've, I've never been quote-unquote corporate. I'm in the business world now, but I'm on the entrepreneurial side. Um, but in, the, in this whole entrepreneurial realm, um, there's, there's these gurus out there, <laughs> right, saying this is how you do it. Here's the blueprint. Here's the formula. Here's my secret to success, right? And when I was new into this realm, right, I just told you my background is I was a high school cross-country and track coach. I was also a high school teacher. Um, then I became a stay-at-home mom, and I, I dabbled in uh, being busy with volunteering on my kids' school boards and things like that. But when I really got serious about, okay, I want to build a business, um, I looked around, right, for where's the experts? What, where's the how-to? Where's the manual to create a successful business? And especially having been someone who was successful at academia, and I feel like that the corporate structure is actually often quite similar to, like, the school structure, right? There's sort of 
hoops you have to jump through. And um, yeah, bells ring, and you're supposed to do something different, and you should obey your superiors. And yeah, don't speak yeah. up in class. And so there's this hierarchical, if that's a word, right? There's a, a leadership that it's a positional leadership. And what happens with positional leadership is, as anybody who's spent a lot of time, I work a lot with a lot of people who are um, in recovery from the corporate world. <laughs> but um, whenever you have a, a leadership style that is uh, hierarchical, what you wind up doing oftentimes by accident is promoting people to their level of incompetence, right? I'm sure you've heard that before. Like, you're good at a yes, job, the, so let's get... <laughs> let's promote let's you and see if you're good at the next job. Yeah, I think <laughs> yes. that's called the Peter Principle. Okay, well, so when you have that, then as a leader, right, you're sort of looking around going, what are the rules? What are the rules of leadership? Uh, how do I do this well? And you're looking to other people, like, how do they do it? Well... And so you wind up oftentimes being inauthentic and, and doing things the way that you think you should instead of the way that's really right for you. And that's exactly what happened to me when I, when I tried to transition into this world of online entrepreneurhood is I looked around for the experts and I tried to do it the way that they did it. And I, I can't even tell you how much time, effort, energy, and money I invested in people's programs and products and that promised that if I just did exactly what they did, I would get their million dollar results too. And being a good student, I did <laughs> exactly what they did and I didn't get their million dollar results. And so oh. it took, um, it's okay, right? Because I think it was part of the journey. I think I had to, that was my learning to really trust my intuition. So up until up until I came into the business world, I was a great intuitive leader, but I didn't really know it because it was all intuitive and because it, it lined up with my experience and my, you know, my training, so to say. Um, and I was a great, I was a really great culture builder of women's teams, but there weren't that many other women coaches in the, in the world that I was surrounded in. And so I, I kind of felt like, well, I know how to do this because I'm a woman. And it wasn't until I hit the business realm where there's plenty of other successful women, uh, women's, <laughs> there's plenty of other successful women that I recognized, okay, I'm just going to have to do it my way because doing it these other people's way isn't fun and it's not paying off and I'm, I'm miserable and it's either, you know, quit and, and go do something else or stop. And just do what feels right. Just do, just follow my joy. Just, I spent a lot more time journaling. I actually wrote a book about um, a big part of my process called Run Yourself Happy, where I started to take my spiritual practice with me out on my runs <laughs> and realized, oh, oh, the answers are all here. They're all inside of me. I just have to learn how to connect with them. I just have to, just like I did all those years ago when I was journaling about what to do as a coach, right? Now in business, I just have to do the same thing. I just have to come into alignment with the wisdom, the guidance, the perspective, the intuitive knowing, right? All of that information that is coming to me so that it can come through me. 
I don't know if I answered that question, but I could talk forever. Oh, you did? <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a few minutes left. So uh, that sounds like your way of being a renegade leader, that you follow your intuition and you do it your way. Is, is that right? Yes. And I keep giving other people permission to do it the same. I, I mean, I think that's, that's a coach's job is to say, okay, stop, right? There's, there's a way that so-and-so does it. What are you gifted at? What are your gifts? I mean, it, it goes all the way back. Where do you feel most confident? It's the same stuff I would talk to, you know, athletes on the track. Like, don't try, if you're not a kicker, don't wait till the kick to win the race, right? Like, what do you need to do to feel confident, to feel empowered out there on the track? Turns out it's exactly the same thing in business. It's really getting in touch with our strengths. And I know we just have a few minutes left, but this is such an important point. I want to make it. So our people think that strengths are things that you're good at and weaknesses are things that you're bad at. But really, a strength is something that while you do it, you feel most fully alive. You feel empowered. And a weakness is something that when you do it, you feel depleted. So people, so many people have tried to build businesses around skills that they have, right? Thinking they were strengths because they're good at them but the doing of them depletes them. And so all I help people now do, right, I help them come into cellular alignment, which is a whole different conversation. But once we get them there, it's okay. So now let's lean into leadership your way. What are your strengths in the way that I've just defined them, right? What are the things that when you do them, you feel most fully alive and empowered? And then that's the beauty of building a team, right, is then you can surround yourself with people who feel empowered doing the things that deplete you. Right. So that way they can do what empowers and makes them feel alive. And you can do what makes you feel alive and empowered and brings you joy. And then everyone is doing so much better because we're not trying to do our weaknesses or deplete us. Yes. So, But it's so important to recognize just because you're skilled at something, just because you're really, really good at it, if the doing of it drains you, it's not a strength. It's just a skill. And that's such, that's a distinction I feel like we don't learn in our education system. We don't learn even in the, in the corporate world. They tell you like, oh, you're really strong at this. Um, when you have your yearly reviews, right? They point out you're strong at this. You're great at that. But um, that's where you have to trust yourself and trust your intuitive knowing and trust your body. Your body yes. is this, you know, this finely tuned instrument to give you feedback. It's you and I were talking about this, Michael. It's that it's that connection point between your, you know, the the personality that you think is you and and the the higher, bigger, more, more wise um, version of all that is you. Right, your body is the connection point. It's the communication vessel. So if you're, I mean, you know, I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> So why is why is being clear about your body so important for a business intuition? Oh boy. Well, so this is actually where I'm currently helping a lot of women and a few men and it it, it I stumbled across it, right? I mean, you knowing my background, knowing I've I've been an athlete my whole life and then a coach of athletes, it's not surprising that my physical body is is part of my intuition. And, you know, I recognized several years ago that 
ooh, actually running for me is super important. It's as or more important than meditating or journaling because there's something about, um, I, I like to say, sometimes you have to get your body tired to quiet your mind. Like you have to tire your body in order to quiet your mind. Um, and that, that's been so true for me. Like if there's restless energy, I actually need to move. I need to shift my energy. And there's something so amazing and symbolic about um, opening your front door and crossing that threshold and moving your physical body from one energetic space to another. And I like running because it's, I think about it as um, moving forward in the world. And what I recognize, right? Is, <clears throat> right? But what I recognize a couple but of that, that, was, And that could be a, that could be whatever exercise works for people, whether it's dance or walking or swimming or anything that moves their body. Yes. I have some biases for running, clearly. There's something about um, activities that use both sides of the body the same way. So like running or cycling or walking. Um, I'm trying to think of another, like roller skating, anything where you're like rhythmically moving both sides of your body in the same way that starts this meditative thing um, that I think is really, really powerful. But what I recognized is while I was running, while I was moving my body, like, and I was tapping in, right? I, I was praying while I was running. I was, you know, listening to my intuition. I, like, I was getting answers. I was, I was noticing that I would ask a question. I could feel myself. I wasn't even saying it out loud. I could feel myself asking in one part of my body and receiving the answers in another part of my body, like hearing, right? So that was sort of my first, whoa, my body is, you know, it's, it's an antenna and it's a receiver. And uh, I did a lot of research on that. But um, anyways, where, where I am now, though, is I sort of took that a step further because a couple of years ago, actually, yeah, a couple of years ago, my physical body kind of started to do some things I wasn't used to it doing. It was putting on extra weight. I was having some strange hormonal symptoms. I was like, just wasn't feeling at home in my own skin. And for someone who had always been an athlete, that was strange. And it didn't seem to matter what I did. Like, I couldn't find myself in my body anymore. And I came across um, something, I came across something called the Hormone Reset Diet. And it helped me reset my hormones and rebalance my metabolism. And while that was wonderful, so I did this purely for the physical, right? I, but while that was great, what happened beyond, like clearly that was the next step in my evolution because what happened was I recognized, oh, oh, I, by balancing my hormones, I've come into cellular alignment. Like I'm not just in physical alignment, right? It's not just an adjustment. It's not just a yoga practice. It's not just me going on a run, um, but that I'm now in hormonal alignment, that my my cells are as healthy as they possibly can be and that I am a clearer vessel than I ever have been to receive that wisdom, that guidance, that intuition that is coming to me. And it, I mean, it was truly miraculous what happened, like how quickly things clicked into place when I got myself into alignment on the cellular level. So of course, what and happened, how, as how did that, how did that help your business? Well, so things, one thing that really cleared up is um, I had been struggling with brain fog, right? Like not being super productive 
And you know this, right? When you're out of alignment, it doesn't really matter how hard you work. <laughs> um, it's kind of a waste of effort and energy because um, you're not as productive as if you just, when you take the time to be, get into alignment. So I became way more productive, but also the inspiration, the guidance, the wisdom, and the inspired action that followed, I accomplished more in, like I quickly accomplished in six months what I had been working five, what I had been tirelessly working really hard for five years to figure out. I got myself into physical alignment and boom, things started to click into place. Like things that were hard before became easy. People, I mean, it was, I'm not kidding. It was nothing short of miraculous. And um, so, so, you know. So doing doing this helped you align with your higher power. (laughs) Oh, doing this helped you align with your higher power more easily. You could hear your intuition uh, much more easily uh, than you could previously. Yes. And, and when, yes, absolutely. Like in my tuning in answers were quick and clear and focused and action oriented in a way that um, I think that my, my physical body previous to that, right. Had just been a little bit of like a, I like to think of it, um, you know, if you think of it as a, like a funnel or something, that the the infinite wisdom of all of all that is is being funneled through my body, but that my little funnel hole was so clogged up with grease and crud and crumbs or whatever that you know things were just barely able to trickle through, and I would get a nudge about something, but then I wouldn't be clear on how to execute or like what the next steps were. I would fall back into overwhelm and. As soon as I got um, the gunk cleared out, right, the physical gunk in my in my body on a cellular level, once I cleared that out, boy, did things move quickly. Mm. It was almost like you were using glasses to read and there was a lot of dirt on the glasses and you were having trouble reading the messages. Beautifully stated. Yes. And then, then someone was like, well, here, let me clean those for you. <laughs> <laughs> So let's wrap up by talking about what do you do if you if you're called to to serve others uh, or you're building a tribe but you've never been a uh, you weren't a natural born leader is it possible to to learn how to lead? Yes. So here's the thing: we have this idea of what a leader looks like, but I just and it's usually right like if people have images of someone standing behind a podium or standing on top of the hill, or um, sometimes people have an image of like someone, you know, behind the horses with the whip, (laughs) right? But that's not what a leader truly is at all, right? A leader's a lifter. Yeah, I mean, that description sounded more like a pointy-haired boss from Dilbert. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but when people, so often I hear people say, but you're a leader. I'm not a leader. Like, I'm not like that. Um, but the thing about leadership is it's about finding your unique style. It's about creating your culture. And it's about what we just talked about, living in your strengths. So that means doing the things that empower you, right? That when, while you're doing them, you feel most fully alive. So some people are going to lead through, like some of the most amazing leaders I've ever known have actually been people of very, very few words, very few words, but their words 
are so powerful, right? That when they speak, we hang on their words because they are, they lead by example. They lead by intention. They lead, like, they're the quiet sort of, like, everybody respects them. Everybody um, cares about, I don't want to say pleasing them, right? But everybody, I guess, respects is the word, right? They lead through their actions and through the energy that they bring with them. And when they have something to say, we tend to think it's profound because they don't often have a lot to say. Um, But that's still a leader. Even when you're the boss, you can lead that way. You can lead by example and by intention and by continuing to live in your strengths. All you need to do is empower those people around you to do the same thing. The best leaders lift other people into leadership, right? Like that, I always have thought that's my role. Like my role is never to be, my role is to help you find your thing and, and shine with it. And that's, that should be every leader's role with their team, right? Is to help them find whatever role, whatever team, whatever people you have gathered around you, you want them to find their zone of genius, their point of pure blissful excellence, right? You want them living there. When you do that, you're empowering them to lead. So I always say, you know, you don't lead from above. You lead from beside and beneath. (laughs) Mm. That sounds like a wonderful piece of wisdom uh, to do that. And um, I found a Nelson Mandela quote uh, similar to that. He said, it's better to lead from behind and put others in front, especially when you celebrate victory, when things not, that are nice occur. You, the leader, take the front line when there is danger. Then people will appreciate your leadership. Ooh, good. And that's ultimately, I mean, that's, <laughs> he said it so beautifully. I'm thinking more of like a, the buck stock your moment, right? Like as if it's your company, if it's your corporation, you are responsible, right? You're responsible for the culture, you're, but your whole, um, and you're responsible, right? I guess if the shit hits the fan, right? You take, you're not about to pass the buck, even, right? You stay in integrity, even when it's might be easy to do that, right? You take responsibility for the culture that you create the culture that created that problem, whatever it is. But yeah, when things are going well, when there's like, don't take all the glory, right? That's your opportunity to spread. If you can spread the glory, if you can highlight other people's successes, if you can, I mean, how many times do you hear like, well, it was a team effort, right? (laughs) Like you, if you can highlight, we couldn't have done it without so-and-so. And if it wasn't for, you know, Sally Sue's input, like, that is true leadership. I love that. Mm. Great. Well, it's been wonderful having you on the show. And I will include your website and all your other URLs and the link to your book and some of the other resources we've mentioned in the show notes. And uh, I'm looking forward to creating wonderful culture and intuitive teams using all the wonderful ideas that we've discussed here. Well, thank you for having me, and thank you so much. I told you before we went on air, thank you so much for your book. It, it, it is energy-infused. It is really um, just helping me go deeper and deeper. I couldn't appreciate it more. I'm so 
grateful to have spent this hour with you talking about this topic, and um, I'm excited to actually return the favor and interview you on, on my show. Well, I will look forward to that. Thank you, Carrie. You're welcome. Get strategies and show notes at intuitiveleadershipmastery.com. What would it take to see you here next time on the Intuitive Leadership Mastery Podcast?